Hello everybody and welcome to our sport and business leadership webinar. I hope you're well on this Wednesday, wherever in the world we may find you. Now we've got a terrific panel assembled for the next hour. Time to introduce you to some of our panelists. Pat Lamb is Director of Rugby at Bristol Bears, uh, ex-Connaught coach and Samoa number eight. Uh, Premiership winner with Newcastle Falcons, Heineken Cup winner with Northampton Saints. And we ought to congratulate you, Pat, for your uh, moment uh, a month ago winning the European Challenge Cup. Are you uh, still hungover or are you ready to go for a, a new campaign now? No, it was a great moment of inspiration for, for everyone involved with Bristol Bears. It's a moment to move on and try and create some more moments this season. Yeah, well, look, thank you very much, all, all four of you, for being with us this afternoon. And we're going to have a, a good discussion around, I think, your leadership styles, the way you use data in your roles, and a bit about your sports and, uh, and what you get up to, if that's all right. So a bit about what you do and why you do it. So um, now we've got uh, a little bit of research that we've done to uh, start things off. And uh, scary graphics, perhaps, but I think we can uh, run through just a little bit of the detail that's come up from uh, some of the research that's been done. We've asked uh, a series of questions of business leaders and decision makers, so executives and management level uh, de decision makers and business leaders. And uh, some interesting uh, results have come up from that. Uh, and I'll just uh, run you through a couple of the headlines that, for instance, 40% of organizations are relying on gut instinct, which uh, is an interesting one. And a couple of other things, an increase in the use of analytics uh, since the global pandemic began uh, of 33%. So uh, obviously the pandemic's created a fair bit of uncertainty and uh, everyone turning to uh, data analytics, well, not everyone, 33% of people turning to uh, data analytics as, as a potential solution. I'm really interested in data analytics uh, as opposed to gut instinct. Uh, and just maybe to start with, Pat, you could tell me, what do you understand by gut instinct in, in your world, in rugby, perhaps both as a player on the pitch, but also as a coach or as a director of rugby, uh, leading a squad, leading a, leading a club? Well, I'd say gut instinct is really your experiences. You know, when if I think about rugby, I think about the, the amount of experience I had actually on the field, and then, then as a coach, the more experiences that you have, the better your gut instinct is. But where data comes in, data reinforces or backs up your, your gut instinct. So I'll give you a quick example. I knew on the weekend that our physicality and our contacts was, was really good. And then it was backed up straight away by from our GPS results and our stats that it was one of our better performances since we played WAS in the last three games. Um, and also, I think, Probably where I, I probably think more around where we are probably more da data informed rather than data driven. So it's a big help to get clarity and a big help to um, help learning and development. But certainly gut instinct depends on the individual and their experiences that they've had. We'll talk a little bit more about the impact in, in a few minutes time. So uh, a couple of the headlines there, 40% of organizations relying uh, still on gut instinct and 33% of uh, an analytics increase, if you like, there's a, a net increase since the pandemic has begun, which perhaps isn't a, a massive surprise. And uh, if we move on to the next slide as well, you've got uh, a couple more graphics here that we can have a little look through. I mean, clearly, uh, and I'm feeling it right now, I think we're all feeling it regularly, uh, those of us who are working from home, that must have changed 
leadership styles for all of us. Yeah, it is. I mean, to, I suppose when COVID hit, I think the biggest thing, um, and we've learned a lot of different ways of coaching and so forth, but I think the biggest thing that we did like anything was have a plan. I mean, we, we I remember coming back after a game, we, uh, we played Harlequins, but we actually had a break and then we were told we we're going to go into lockdown. So all I did quickly got everyone, all the heads of the department in and key leaders in our management. And we came in and we sat down with a plan and said, right, we've got to look, I want you, I, I warned them to come in, but come with their plan for their areas. And we put together, um, and this is why I'm really pleased with the staff, a real phenomenal uh, overall plan for everybody, whether it was um, how we can measure, uh, so they can tick off the physical, the the mental and the well-being. And, and I think the overall writing uh, goal was to mitigate against the risk of injury by the time we come back. And that was an unknown. And everybody, um, once we got the plan and everyone knew we got all the players and we told them what was going to happen and then suddenly all the GPS, everyone got GPS, everyone got equipment. We talked about the social media platforms, how we're going to connect. But I think the biggest thing for mental health was keeping routine. A lot of the guys in the team um, uh, were all routined on what we have. So we ended up having... Um, our normal team meeting every morning at 8.30 that we do, staff and players able to connect, do all the social things, have a bit of fun and get all the messages out. And then guys uh, ended up doing coaching on video, sending it into the coaches who could give feedback. We could all see it. So it was a, it was a, a really uh, interesting thing, but I believe it paid a big dividend when we finally did come back. Uh, our injury rate was low and players were ready to go and perform and you know, and I think a big part of our success was 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 uh, being organised on that, and it's a real credit to the staff. It could be the differentiator, couldn't it? Come Tokyo twenty twenty one, as it may be, who's dealt best with this bizarre set of circumstances that we've all faced? So, nation to nation, in your case, uh, club to club, maybe. Um, if you've got a well organised routine in place, and you've managed to sort of maximise this as an opportunity rather than as a huge disadvantage. It, it could make a difference in gold and silver or, a, you know, a try or not, or whatever it might be. Oh, without a doubt. Martina's right around time and making the most of that time. But I think, like anything in life, you know, we are who we are through the adversity or the tough times that we, we go through. And, um, and it is fight or flight. And I think well, for a lot of the players and staff, they, you know, people were losing jobs and even people, you know, being affected in one way or another, they realise, actually, I'm very privileged. I'm very privileged to have this opportunity and the job that I have. And actually, I love the job that I do. And I saw a real shift, uh, you know, for, 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 for some people around their mindset and then their, um, and taking ownership. And, and normally I have a theme for every year and I couldn't have, not, I couldn't have, <laughs> With COVID, you could say the plan was, it actually worked out really well because my first year was all about focus for the team was around relationships, build the relationships, get to know each other better. The second season was around um, uh, uh, challenge. It's, well, if we know each other well, let's challenge our standards and so forth. The third season before COVID hit was well, not, September was about ownership. Let's own our development. You know, everyone says we get spoon fed. Well, let's make sure if you want to achieve something, take ownership of it. You know everybody and then when COVID hit well there's only one thing you do you got to over make a decision I'm going to own my development in isolation I'm going to own this or I'm going to give up and so a lot of good came from it and if anything when guys have come back everyone's in a completely different mindset from it because of it.
Sounds like you got a bit lucky with the timing there, Pat. I'll put that uh, European trophy down to that luck in that case. Okay. <laughs> yeah, ownership is absolutely what it's about. And I asked this with some trepidation because I once asked uh, Joe Root about his captaincy style and his leadership style, the England cricket captain. Uh, and he said, well, don't ask me, ask the team. And actually that said it all really, doesn't it? There's a good awareness of, uh, you know, what, why he's in it and what is important when you're a leader. Um, Pat, can I start with you? Because uh, obviously you enjoyed a, a stellar career career as a player uh, and have made the transition into to coaching and, and being a director of rugby look look effortless that I'm sure a lot of work's gone on behind the scenes can you try and describe your your leadership style and how it's evolved well I think if you define leadership for me and and there's a great quote from uh, John Maxwell that leadership is always the answer it's always the problem because people always say you who's the leader I always ask this question who the leaders and not everyone puts their hands up but Basically, leadership is the ability to influence people. And I can influence you all the way down this way, down the wrong way, or I can influence you down the right way. And I think the biggest thing for me um, is making sure that relationships is the key. You know, the, the closer, if, like I, I've just met you all, I don't really know you guys that well, you don't know me that well, but the probably the best way to define um, the closer the relationship, my beautiful wife is unbelievable people but the way she speaks to me when she's angry with me if i've done something wrong you would never speak to anyone else on this world now i see that as a massive privilege because i'm the chosen one that we're that tight that she can say how she truly feels and i talk about that a lot with the guys is that the more we know each other well the more um you know we can be honest with each other now as far as leadership style, it's it's around, but built around relationship. But as a school teacher, I always talked about the continuum around, do I put my arm around the person or do I wave the stick? Being able to go up and down. Now, which one do I use? Well, that comes back to how well you know the person. And it's about making sure that everyone, staff or players is valued, respected and appreciated because people love their jobs because they feel valued, respected and appreciated. People hate their jobs not because of pay, because they don't feel valued, they don't feel respected, and they don't feel um, appreciated. So making sure that um, constantly, and, and trust people. I mean, when I said, to, I asked people often, what did you think I asked? I asked Steve Lansdowne for four things. What do you think they were? And people go, money. I said, that was number four. And they say, oh, players. I said, that was number two. But number one is staff, quality staff, because you need the experts in all the different areas. Now I have the bigger picture of what I want to achieve but the experts are the ones that come in. And my job is to empower them, make them feel valued, appreciated, and respected. And then they run everybody else the same way. And then we collectively, we come together and we can achieve some amazing things. So um, I like to be honest with people, but you can be more honest with someone when you know them well. So uh, it's interesting. I, did, I know it's PC. You're not allowed to ask, are you married? And all this in interviews. I found I see them all the time. Like I told Pat, you can't do that. So I just say, look, I'm not looking for an SNC person, right? I am looking for the people like this person here who is the head of SNC. He's most important to me because I know about him. I know what's important to him. So can you tell me a bit about yourself? And then they come out and they tell me a bit more because that's important. That's really important to me. And I know Pete, the world says you can't do that, but as long as they volunteer that information, it's great. And, and we've, I believe just recently with, with all the people that have come in and that I've interviewed and brought through regardless or in all the different areas is based on them, not only what they know, but more importantly, them as people. 
We've talked quite a lot about the human side of it and the values and the principles, beliefs, philosophies. I just for the last few minutes want to go back to a bit more around the data analytics. And I'm guessing here, but Pat, from your coaching style, I think you've become more and more um, intrigued, perhaps is the word, or curious about what data or what edge it can give you as a, as a team, as a club. Um, where, do you, where did that initially start? I mean, when you were a player, would, would you have had the same attitude towards uh, data analytics or, or is that something that has evolved as your coaching experiences has, has got greater? No, it goes right back to the very beginning because of the, the big word is why. Why are we doing this? Why do you want me to do this? Why, 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 why? And the biggest thing here is when I, even when I come over to every job that I've gone to, the first thing I go is find out who the analysis is that I don't have. And when I arrived at Connick, for instance, um, the analysis uh, room was tucked over here and the, the budget was so small. So I said to the analysis guy, get to go and find out what does Munster, Leinster and Ulster have, how much they spend, what sort of resources we've got. And I quickly put a, a slide together, send it to the RFU and said, if you seriously think that Connick's going to compete at all, I would like to at least have the same as this. And we put a lot more money into that area. Why? Because the greatest, uh, there's a great saying that the only competitive, sustainable advantage we have is the ability to learn faster than the opposition. And we all learn completely differently. But the, um, whether that's through footage or through statistics, and people need to be sold. And I'll give you a real small example. You know, you go into a breakdown, a player needs to be low. Now, if I go to him and say, mate, you, you got to drop your height, there's no doubt the player will go, well, I think I'm low enough. But if I just show him and he has a look, he goes, Oh, I think I need to go lower. So it raises self-awareness, and that's what data does. And But everything needs to be geared to it, and even simple things. So when I look at putting the whole program together, there's my game, and I never bring the game down to the players. The players need to come up to it. So then I have all the heads of the department, and they've got to be experts in their area. Everyone uses data. It's a simple, I'll give an example, it's, um, you know, for training decisions, who's going to train, um, and players uh, tap in all their feel-good scores into um, well, teamworks that we have. Now, we know that closer calf injuries and hamstring injuries are the uh, most common. Normally, 90% of the time, it's preceded by, by a, a, um, a back injury, uh, back pain. So we have things where if anyone doesn't meet certain metrics, the, the physios are able to have the discussion with the trainers and so forth. They come and talk to me and we normally pull them out of the session. And, but there's stats on every part of the game, key KPIs for the game, for the SNC guys, for the medical guys and the analysts, and it all comes together to, uh, to help drive the improvement of the individual, but more importantly, collectively as a team. So it's a big part of what we do. Yeah, all that intel and uh, how you use it, I suppose, and what you share with the player as well. You wouldn't share all of it with the player. I'm sure you'd uh, you'd be selective with the data. As long, I think the key thing is the intent. So I always say to the analysis guys, if there's anything you're doing that we don't use as coaches, let me know. I don't want anyone wasting time or wasting money. I'll go back to what Charles said at the beginning. You know, how much do you need to spend? It all depends what you're trying to get out. What are the outcomes you want? Always think of the game or the end in mind and then work back from there. And if this, you could have the fancy equipment, but what's it producing? What outcome is it producing? And if it's not producing what you want, then it's a waste of money. Um, or or we're, um, you know, we're, again, we're not using it as well as we should. So, um, you know, that's that that's an important thing to get the understanding and the why. Charles, I know I mentioned earlier 
you're a massive uh, rugby fan. I'm sure you may have a question or two for Pat. So go on, do uh, fire any questions you've got, Charles, direct to Pat. And now's your opportunity. Yeah, no, thank you for that. So Pat, I guess, you know, I've, you know, I've watched you play, um, you know, I've watched your career, I've watched you coaching from Connaught and what you're doing down in Bristol. Uh, when, I, when I came to the UK, the, um, when I came to the UK over 34 years ago, uh, I lived in a place called Taunton, which is just down the road from, from Bristol. So, um, you know, it's great to see the return of Bristol. But I think my question would be, you talk a lot, and I, you talk a lot about the collective and the individual and how you are trying to create a, an environment and a culture that supports both. But when you've got um, the collective and your clear ambitions and visions for, for Bristol and this community, and then you've got players that you brought on um, like Rondrandra and how do you bring big characters, some superstars? How do you how do you between the collective and the individual? Um, every time a player arrives, uh, or before he even arrives, I do a one-on-one, -on -one. and the, I always start off as, "What's your big dream?" Now, depending on that dream, if it's before I recruit them, I determines if I'm going to recruit them or not. And then after I find out what their big dream is and bring everything out about where they see them, who's the best rugby player in their position, finding out um, where do they sit, if he's a 10, where am I a 6, how can I, you know, what do you need to do? But then I normally then go through, this is what we're about, this is what I'm about, and what would you like from me? And once you get all of that as individual, and then I explain that don't come to Bristol if you, uh, um, if you just want to uh, win rugby. You know, we're about inspiring the community. This is what we're about. And people are signing up, not just to play rugby, but with clarity on what we're about and what we're trying to achieve. Then they arrive here. And then Charles Peartel, who looks after the community portfolio in our leadership group, who applied for the job, got the job, and he fires out to the boys, but there's a school that would like a visit, who'd like to go. And I'm seeing all these guys going, bam, 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 bang, I'm in, I'm in, or we're going to go to the hospital and see people or the old people's home. It, the players are driving it all, but people are going, wow, the players are awesome. That's because they all signed up to what we're about. And I think that's the important thing is that they understanding what we want to do as a team, but more importantly for me to understand what they want to do. And I always say it has to marry up. So when I normally have these meetings with players, I say, you don't have to come to Bristol Bears, but if you do, you've got to ask yourself what your dream is. And I want to give you clarity about what we're about, and it has to align, because if it doesn't, it won't work. And normally they say they'd like to come. Which is a good thing. Your recruitment's working. That's good to hear, Pat. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time and your fascinating insights into your lives and your leadership and your coaching and your use of data analytics. So uh, thank you very much for your time and good luck with all your various projects over the next 12 months. I wish you all the very best uh, for all of those that you're undertaking.